All right, welcome to the Make America Garrett Again podcast, your cure for the mainstream media. This show is your safe space to talk about persuasion, politics, and the effect they have on your life and liberty. Thank you so much for coming back to another episode. I know it's been a long time since the last time I released, and I know I've said this several times. I'm just going to be completely honest with you here. Um, I am incredibly busy in my personal life. I've got a lot going on, a lot of things I need to keep up on, and sometimes I just can't quite sit down and take the time to record and then just to kind of go over everything and make sure that it sounds good before releasing it out to you, and that is something that I am personally working on, trying to get better at trying to be a little bit more organized on my end to make sure that you're getting content more quickly. So I just want to say up front, thank you so much for bearing with me. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to this show. Our download numbers continue to go up every single episode, even though I'm not uh, releasing episodes nearly as often as I would like to or as much as I should be. So uh, what you can do to make sure that you get notified, follow me on Twitter or Facebook. I always put up a post when a new episode is released or just make sure you're subscribed and uh, you'll see when those new episodes come out when they pop up. And I am working to get better at that. So just want to let you know, it's something I'm aware of. It's something I'm working on and I've just got to make it happen. And speaking of making it happen, I want to talk to you about our sponsor for the next couple of episodes. And that is the Be Better Tomorrow podcast. Uh, When we talk about liberty, when we talk about freedom, we talk about taking control of our own life. And a lot of that has to do with us being responsible personally and, and being responsible for ourselves financially. And if you are aiming to be the best person that you can possibly be, you're aiming to be the best employee that you can possibly be, maybe the best entrepreneur you can be in your side hustle, whatever it is that you want to be more effective at doing, the Be Better Tomorrow podcast has the tools to help you out with that. Uh, Jason does some really, really great interviews with all kinds of different people, finding ways to communicate effectively, finding ways to, to get organized, finding ways to network and to put yourself out there so that you can be the best you that you can possibly be. And there's always something new to learn there. It's just absolutely great content. And and this kind of stuff can work for anybody, no matter what job you do, uh, no matter what you are up to, uh, we can all learn a little bit from the kinds of interviews that they're doing and the great guests that he has. So make sure that you go over. I will put a link to their podcast in today's show notes. And also you can just search for them. They are on Spotify, Apple, Google, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, they are there. Look for Be Better Tomorrow. Check them out. And if you like that podcast, make sure you let them know uh, that you subscribed and that you are listening because you heard about them on this episode. That helps them to know that they made a good choice by advertising with us for a couple of episodes. And it also just kind of helps me know that you guys are listening and uh, that we are reaching so, so many people through this podcast. And Be Better Tomorrow is a podcast that is going to help you as you put your money where your mouth is and you put your values into action. So be sure to check that out. Be Better Tomorrow podcast. Finish this episode first and then go over there and check out what Jason has to offer. So with that being said, let's move on to this episode of this podcast. So the first time I recorded this podcast was on Tuesday evening, and uh, it was the day that that video of uh, the the police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, shooting Jacob Blake in the back seven times. Uh, It was the day that that video went viral. I can't remember if that incident happened on Monday or Tuesday, but uh, we, we all really started to see that video Tuesday, and I wanted to take some time to talk about that, and I wanted to talk about the context of what happened. So when I recorded that episode Tuesday evening, Uh, I was mainly talking about this incident that had happened between the police and Jacob Blake. And at the time, what we knew or what the the story that we were told 
was that Jacob Blake was trying to break up some sort of altercation between two women who were fighting and that the police were called to help break up this fight. And then at some point, once the police show up, they're trying to detain Jacob Blake for whatever reason, and he does not want to be detained. So he is trying to leave, and they're trying to get him to stop. Witnesses say that he was tasered, but that the taser didn't affect him. And then they also said that they heard police yelling for him to drop the knife while witnesses say they did not see him with a knife. So you watch the video slowly. It did look like he had something in his hand, um, but it's kind of hard to tell with a lot of these videos, especially cell phone videos, because things get just digitized a little bit. And sometimes you can see kind of weird shadows or, or things uh, just randomly appear and disappear the way that they look on the camera. So it looked like he had something in his hand, but at the same time, you've got witnesses saying he, that he didn't have anything in his hand and honestly, we just don't know. So at that point, he's trying to leave. He's trying to get into his car. As he gets into his car and he reaches into the vehicle, the police officer follows him in. He's got him by the back of the shirt, and he shoots him almost at point blank, uh, I believe seven times is the number that we keep hearing. So he's been shot in the back seven times. He's in the hospital in serious condition. I think they think he's going to survive, but as, as of right now, he's been paralyzed from the waist down. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of outrage about this police shooting because it seemed that he was most likely unarmed at the time, although it's, you know, a little bit iffy and we're unsure of what he was holding in his hand, if he had anything. And we're also unsure if anything was in the car, you know, was he just trying to get in the car to leave? Was he reaching for a weapon? So at best you have kind of an iffy situation. And the point that I was trying to make when I first recorded that episode with the, the limited information that I had about this case was that government has a monopoly on security when it comes to the way that the police are run in this country. And so what that effectively means is that police are granted rights by the government, that they are granted the, the rights or the privileges, whatever you want to call it, uh, that they have the ability to do things that you or I, as a citizen, would never be able to do. If they want to pull you over and just want to ask you questions, ask you who you are, where you're going, what you have in the car, and you don't comply with them, they can rip you out of your car and start beating you up. Uh, if they think that they smell some sort of substance on you, they can pull you out, put you in handcuffs, and go throw you in a cage. If you or I try to do these things to anybody we would be guilty of assault. We would be guilty of kidnapping. We would be guilty of harassment. And so the point that I was trying to make in that earlier podcast was that the context of what the police did to him was the most important thing that should tell us how we should feel about that situation. Because if the story was true that he was just breaking up a fight between these two women and the police were called because of a fight. And then for whatever reason, the police wanted to detain him when he had nothing to do with that incident other than simply trying to help. Well, then they had no right to detain him. They had no right to hold him for more questions or anything like that. He did his part. He was a good citizen and he was free to go at that point. And if he was simply trying to leave, if he was simply trying to get in his car and go away because he had done his part, the thing was settled, he didn't want to interact with the police anymore, that should have been okay. That it looked like this thing had the potential to be one of those instances where the only thing that he was guilty of was resisting arrest. 
And of course, it kind of leads you into that loop where you say, well, what are you arresting me for? And they, we're arresting you because you resisted arrest. Yes, but what was I being arrested for? And they say, it doesn't matter. You were resisting arrest and now you're under arrest. And it looked like it may have been one of those situations. And the argument that I was trying to make was that they had no business holding him that we need to stop offering extra rights to police officers and stop giving them special privileges to do whatever they want. And if you simply disobey them, then they're allowed to take your punishment into their own hands and they're allowed to use as much force as they deem necessary uh, and they're protected from any consequences if they go overboard. And if you've listened to the last couple of episodes, I spend a lot of time talking about qualified immunity and how that works. If you haven't listened to that, please go back to that. There's an episode, two episodes back about racism and the media's helter skelter. And I spend a lot of time talking about those kind of things and how the police and the African-American community kind of interact with one another and how a lot of these problems have kind of started and, and what is causing them to go on. But as I also said in that episode, I said that it only seems that these sort of things go viral, that the media really latches onto these things when it happens to be an unarmed black male that has a criminal history and potentially has drugs in his system uh, and that we don't find that out until a couple of days later. So the narrative really gets set in stone that this guy was just breaking up a fight and he was just doing the best he could to help and be a good citizen and then the cops show up and chase him down and shoot him for no reason. But as we get more information, and which has caused me to update this episode of the podcast, it seems that that may not be the case. It seems that uh, he was already he had a warrant out for his arrest because of some domestic violence, and there were some sexual assault type charges tied on with that. So there were some pretty nasty charges that he was wanted in questioning for, and then he had showed up to this woman's house uh, where he was not allowed to be, and I think it was related to those charges. But obviously. Innocent until proven guilty. We don't know for sure whether he was guilty of any of those things, but the the story that he was just helping somebody else break up a fight turned out to be completely untrue. And instead, it does seem that the cops were called on him because he was infringing on somebody else's property rights. So immediately, that kind of changes things a little bit and definitely gives the the, the police more cause to to try to detain him and and to try to you know possibly arrest him for for violating this woman's property rights. But my original point remains the same uh, that the context of that was incredibly important and that, you know, had he just been an innocent bystander and the cops were trying to detain him, I do not think that that would have been okay. And even if he was resisting in that instance, I do not think that that would have been appropriate for them to use force against him. Now that it seems like they were trying to stop him in the middle of a potentially violent act. And then you've always got the question, you, you don't know what he was reaching for. You don't know what he was going to do once he got into the van. And, and those kind of things can be kind of foggy and kind of debatable. And I don't want to go into those right now, but it certainly seems that the police were much more justified in trying to detain him than we originally thought. And what this has led to in Kenosha have been more of what the corporate media tells us are just more peaceful protests, uh, or they're mostly peaceful is what they keep telling us. And, you know, sure, a lot of things have been set on fire and people have had their heads bashed in and, you know, cops have been hit in the head with bricks, but it's mostly peaceful. That's what they assure us. And um, it almost, uh, I hate to say it, and I, I take no delight in saying this, but it surprises me that it has taken this long for somebody to get shot and killed in one of these protests or riots or whatever you want to call them. But Tuesday or Wednesday evening, I forget which day it was now, uh, there was a 17-year-old kid who was uh, supposedly, he was a, a thin blue line kind of guy. He uh, had a lot of 
respect and everything for the police. And he went to these protests or riots to try to help protect the property of, uh, of other business owners in Kenosha to try to keep their property from being broken into or looted or burned down or anything like that. So he's walking around the streets uh, with some sort of rifle. I think it was an AR-15, but I don't remember for sure. And we get video of this kid. And what it looks like happened was someone was chasing him with a Molotov cocktail and they threw it at him and they, they missed. And it, they seemed to kind of run on past him. And the video that I saw wasn't very clear, but around the time that they go past him, uh, he fires a shot or two. And one of those shots hits his person in the head. And he kind of stops and clears the area a little bit, kind of checks it to make sure it's clear. Uh, other people start rushing in on this guy because this guy's been shot in the head and they start trying to administer aid to this guy. And the kid immediately calls 911 to tell the police that he shot somebody. So uh, that first situation is is iffy. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you about it other than I, I can definitely see that you're making a case that someone could have really hurt him with this Molotov cocktail uh, and that he didn't know if it was a bomb or what the thing was going to do or what this person was going to do as they were running after him. Then again, at the same time, they threw it and they missed and they seemed to have run past him, which means you could also make the argument that the, the threat was, was disappearing or the threat was dissipating and then he still chose to fire his weapon. But either way, he thinks that he's fired in self-defense. He calls 911 to tell them that he shot somebody in self-defense, and, and so he tries to leave, and then we get another video from shortly afterward, and he's kind of jogging, kind of, kind of trotting down the street, and somebody from the crowd yells, hey, that guy just shot somebody, and so somebody else yells, uh, get his ass, and at that point, several of them start chasing after him. And so now he's being chased by a fairly large crowd of people and they're going after him. And somebody has a skateboard in his hand and chases after this kid and swings it at the kid's head. And uh, a couple other people are running after him and the kid trips and falls over. And as the crowd starts to kind of swarm in and surround him, he starts firing off a couple of shots. And the first person uh, looks like they jump away pretty quickly. And uh, the second person, I think he like uh, he hit them in like the gut. And another person who had pulled a pistol on him, uh, he managed to shoot them in the arm. And so finally he gets up and he runs on down the street to the police and has his hands up and is telling the police that, you know, he just shot somebody. And the police almost don't even seem interested in him. Uh, they just kind of seem to be doing their own thing. But regardless of, of what happened, that's what went down. That's what I saw. And as I said, in the first instance where this person threw the Molotov cocktail at him, uh, it was definitely iffy whether or not that was self-defense. In the second instance where he had people swarming in on him and he shot two more people, and it sounds like uh, the, the guy that he shot when he had a Molotov cocktail thrown at him, uh, that guy died. And then one of the people that he shot when they were swarming in on him, one of those people died as well. Uh, the guy he got in the arm who was carrying the pistol uh, that guy seems to have survived and seems to be doing okay. As I said, the first instance was certainly iffy. Uh, and you could probably make a case either way. There's definitely up for debate. The second part of it, I think, was very clearly self-defense. I think that he was absolutely justified that that group of people very easily could have killed him. And he had absolute reason to fear for his life and, and reason to fire that gun at that point. Um, but the kid seems to have kind of done everything right in that limited situation um, and seems to have acted in self-defense. And so now Twitter and 
Facebook and the news and everybody is up in arms about whether or not this kid was justified in what he did. And I'm sure you have your take. I'm sure you've read plenty of them, but I want to push back just a little bit and say that just as I said, when we first found out about the Jacob Blake incident where the cops shot him in the back, I said the context matters. It is important to know what was happening and why this happened. And so, in my opinion, you can't just take the limited instance of this kid getting a bomb thrown at him or the limited instance of the crowd swarming in on this kid, but you have to step back and realize that this kid is 17 years old. He took a rifle across state lines into a state where it was illegal for him to have that rifle. And, you know, we can argue about gun laws all day, but you... Uh, but you've got to exist in the society you live in. That's just the way that it is sometimes. But this kid took his weapon into a place where he knew it was going to be hostile. He knew that he was going to probably be in danger and that things were going to be intense and that there was a very good chance that he was going to have to use that weapon. And in most states, I don't, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, I don't know the law in every state, but in most circumstances, if you happen to have a concealed carry permit on you and you're, you're carrying a pistol concealed, you know that you can't start a fight and then pull that gun out to finish it. You can't just walk up to the biggest guy at the bar and call him a name and hit on his woman. And then when he turns around to bash your head in, you can't pull the gun to defend yourself, even though he probably could beat you to death with his bare hands. That's not how that works. You have to avoid the confrontation because you are armed with a lethal weapon and it's your duty and your responsibility to avoid a deadly conflict as much as you possibly can. That means sometimes when you get into an argument with someone, it is best for you to lose the argument and walk away with your freedom and your safety. Sometimes it's best for you to just be the bigger person and just apologize and back off and leave without a confrontation. That's why there's a saying that an armed society is a polite society. That when you know that the consequences for your actions or the consequences for your stupidity or your ego can be life-changing... You need to be a lot more careful about the actions that you are taking. And so while I believe with every bit of me that that kid uh, was terrified for his life and there's a very good chance that that mob would have beaten him to death in the street, I think we need to look at the bigger context of this and realize that that kid went somewhere knowing there was a very good chance that he was going to have to use his weapon. Now, a lot of people were hailing him as a hero. A lot of people were calling out uh, that he was just trying to help others by helping them defend their property. I would love to hear somebody expound on that. I would love to hear more about when it is appropriate to go off of your property and to go almost looking for a fight to defend someone else's property. Because honestly, if no one else's life is at stake, I don't see any justification in doing something like that. And so, yes, the kid was scared. Yes, he was a a pretty good shot. Yes, his weapon did exactly what it was supposed to do in protecting him. However, 
I think a jury is going to look at this and say, you know what, he probably should have just stayed home that evening. And so as I told somebody on Twitter, I feel bad for the kid, but I'm probably not going to be upset when they charge him or convict him of, of some sort of murder or manslaughter charge. So we may talk about this more as it unfolds more, but as of right now, I just wanted to, to try to make my position clear because I see way too many people trying to say that he was some sort of hero for going into this situation when I think it may have been better just for him to back off and just to stay away. So now we are seeing continuing riots, uh, continuing protests all over the place. Uh, the Portland mayor has finally asked that protesters start to calm down. Don Lemon has talked about on CNN that these riots and protests are starting to hurt the poll numbers, and they're starting to realize that uh, these kind of things are making Donald Trump look really good, and they're making this law and order platform that he runs on, uh, they're making it look very attractive, because when, when you turn on the news and you see protesters burning buildings and flipping cars and all of that stuff, it, it makes a lot of people wish that somebody would step in and make all of this calm down. And uh, what the Democrats are trying to say is that all of this will calm down. If you'll simply vote Joe Biden in, everybody will be happy, all the racism will go away, and everything will be fine. But there are a few big problems with that. And as we've talked about on the show many, many times, you need to talk to other people in their language. If you talk to them in your language, it may not resonate with them the same way. And so what the left does a really good job with is they know with their people, if they can shame you, if they can call you a name, if they can bully you into doing something, they're going to do that. And they'll tell you, you know, if you don't jump on board with this policy, then you're um, homophobic or you're Islamophobic or you are xenophobic or whatever it may be. Uh, they just throw that label on. And people with that kind of mindset, they take directions very well from the cathedral, from people sending out that message. Whereas people on the right, they don't respond well to those kind of tactics. That's not the way that you're going to bring them around to you. You're going to have to give them some sort of uh, better appeal if you can tie that to their religion or you can tie that to uh, some sort of history or something along those lines that, that can make them a little bit more conducive to doing the things that you want them to do. But just setting things on fire and telling them that you're not going to stop until they see things your way is not going to work. Uh, it's been largely ineffective and now unfortunately it's starting to lead to bloodshed and Hopefully, uh, as crazy as it sounds, hopefully hearing somebody like Don Lemon ask them to reel that back in because it's making their poll numbers look bad, maybe that'll help kind of tamper down the riots a little bit. Maybe that will help the, the corporate media to stop stoking these flames so much and encouraging these kind of things to happen. Uh, I don't know. The voting doesn't matter to me. I don't care who gets elected president. Ultimately, I just want to be safe and left alone, and I want to do a better job at releasing more episodes for you. I've also got a couple of the Ask Me Anything questions that I recorded last time, and I'm going to get those edited and get those some out sometime as well. But just wanted to check in really quickly and talk to you about what I saw happening and why I think that most of Liberty Twitter and ANCAP Twitter are wrong about this young 17-year-old hero who was defending his life in the streets when, in reality, he should have stayed home and stayed safe. Uh, so if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you want to try to bring me over to your position and change my mind a little bit, I am more than open to that. You can get a hold of me on email at garrettagain at pm.me. I'm on Twitter at garrettagain and uh, facebook.com slash garrettagain. As always, Garrett just has one R. And so until next episode, stay kind, stay vigilant, stay free. Get out of here.